This is a Federal News Network podcast. The vaccine deadlines have come and gone. Now agencies are starting to think more about bringing federal employees back to their offices. Some agencies are bargaining with their unions. Others are scratching out telework and remote work policies. And a few even dare to set tentative dates. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now with why returning to the office is still sort of a hairball. And Nicole, set the stage for us. What are the challenges now for these reentry plans? So, Tom, I think agencies are in a bit of an interesting position here at this point. They're a few weeks removed from the vaccination deadline. And as we've reported previously, the compliance with that deadline is actually really pretty high, over 95 percent for all agencies on individual basis. But they still have to figure out and process a lot of those religious and medical exception requests related to the vaccine requirement. And there are still some people who have not complied. At the same time, the Biden administration has essentially told agencies to hold off on issuing suspensions or firings of those individuals through at least this month and past the holidays into the new year. So there is a bit of a pause, it seems, with on the vaccination front, at least while agencies do some of the behind the scenes work. At the same time, there are questions over this new variant that we're all sort of wondering about. And on top of that, there are labor negotiations occurring at some agencies about exactly how this process will work. And so all three of those things, I think, make setting dates particularly difficult, even though some agencies have. But when you dig into those dates a little bit more deeply, you find out that, well, maybe that date might apply to the top executives or leadership at the agency or maybe supervisors, but not the rank and file employees who are maybe part of a bargaining unit. And so that's where some of the trickiness comes into play. Wow. Yes, you can't have one policy for some people and one for some others. That could really be complicated. And you have talked to a couple of agencies and gotten the rundown on how they are handling reentry. Tell us about those. So I'll start with the Agriculture Department, which has its COVID-19 workplace safety plan posted publicly and actually has included dates in that plan. And I've seen them update, you know, as I continue to kind of refresh this page over the year. And as of right now, and the department confirmed this to me, they are following the timeline of as of December 1st, their political senior leaders came back to work in, in the office with more frequency. Starting January 3rd, they would begin their full-fledged re-entry into the office. And then by March 14th, they anticipate pretty much everyone being back in the office in some respect. And I say that because USDA is moving forward with telework, but telework is still going to be very much a big part of that agency's plan. I asked the agency how many people it anticipated would come into the office in that January 3rd timeframe. And I didn't hear anything from them, but a person familiar with that plan, someone who works at the agency, said that the January 3rd deadline mostly applies to supervisors and managers, not necessarily those who might be part of a bargaining unit. And that by March, mid-March or so, that's when everyone is really expected to be in the building more or less. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. All right, that's agriculture. And tell us about the other agency. I'll bring up the Social Security Administration at this point. So earlier in November, SSA had put out January 3rd as its 
sort of re-entry date for employees. And there, there wasn't a lot of detail around that. They mentioned that it would be a phased re-entry process, but pretty much only put out a January 3rd date. At the same time, the agency said that regardless of what that date is, it would give employees 30 days notice before they would have to be back into the office and that they wouldn't have employees re-enter until they had satisfied their bargaining obligations. In speaking to one of the spokesmen for the American Federation of Government Employees, bargaining is still ongoing at SSA. And from his perspective, it doesn't sound as if they have made a lot of progress. The 30-day mark to have employees come back into the building by January 3rd, that has well passed. And so bargaining is going to continue right up until the holidays. There's a chance they could maybe come to some sort of agreement on what the reentry process looks like. But I, I don't think it is going to be anytime soon. And that wouldn't put employees coming back into the office until late January and probably later, quite frankly. At the same time, employees said they haven't heard anything yet from leadership about what the expectations are as far as re-entering. Sounds like labor relations on that front are a little frayed, and this is dragging on and on. And you mentioned earlier telework and remote work, and so when you're bargaining over who comes back when, that would seem to scramble the idea of what is your telework policy and what's your remote working policy here. What are you, what are you gathering on that front? Yeah, and I think, quite frankly, for the re-entry process to be successful, you kind of need to have both of those plans figured out at the same time. And so I think that is kind of what the agriculture department has done. Uh, just late last month, right after the Thanksgiving holiday, they finalized a new telework policy that allows employees to uh, work remotely or work from home and only come into the office at least two times per biweekly pay period. And that's probably the max that you can get away with under the current telework laws. Um, the new USDA policy also allows individual components to set their own remote work policy. And there's a stipulation in there that if an employee is denied the opportunity to telework or have a remote work arrangement, and they believe that they should be allowed to, the agency would have to essentially write up a business case explaining to that employee why it's not possible in their minds. So that's USDA. Um, the Environmental Protection Agency is also secured new telework and remote work agreements with AFGE, again, allowing employees to telework up to four days a week or come in twice per biweekly pay period. And they have also written remote work into their contract agreements, which is not something that a lot of these contracts had in them previously. So there it stands and there's no date or deadline or demarcation point at all then on any front at this point. I think it is still a little too early to tell. Um, you know, like I said, there are some reentry dates for leadership, for managers one other agency I'll throw out there is the National Science Foundation. The director there asked the executive leadership to start coming into the office January 4th. So we're starting to get that. I think agencies want to try right. to put reentry plans out there, probably to satisfy congressional concerns, quite frankly. But it is it's a difficult process. All right. So in the meantime, the garage is all executive parking because that's anyone Parking is an executive, the way it goes now. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her latest stories at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. 
Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, 
it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, DC, I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, 
we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.